Welcome to FFC Top 3, a show where we, your FFC co-hosts, whoa, count things down from three to number one. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have a suggestion for a topic for Top 3, be sure to drop us a note in the usual places, Twitter, Discord, or even focusfirechat at gmail.com. We've actually been getting a lot of suggestions, so it's, I'm really excited to see some of the upcoming Top 3s and see how um, Blue handles some of the different topics that are coming up because some of them are a little bit geared towards him. Um, But this week, we're discussing our top three kind of sort of emotional or sad endings to a video game. And that one... And it's funny because apparently I was the one that didn't have that much problems with it. Well, I think... Okay, so we have a guest host on today. One of our... Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Wait. You didn't tell me it had to be a video game. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a video game for you. You're fine. Okay. I was, I was about to say, what? Wow. Yeah, no. Wow. It's fine because we have <gasps> I a, need to get that. Now, sound let, me ex- let me explain this, though. We've got a guest host on with us. She's been on here before, and it's Purple. Purple Chimera. Purple is with Rainbow Cast. Yes. We have a rainbow cast today with purple, green, and blue. But Purple has admittedly not played as many video games as some of the rest of us, including myself. <laughs> and so Purple gets well, a... not a lot, you mean like four. Uh, she gets a... They get a pass. They get a pass. They get to, <laughs> to pick their emotional endings to whatever, whether it's a musical, a movie, something, book. They're going that direction. Yeah, blue, and- on the other hand, and I, on the other hand, I'm going to do video game-based ones. What's yeah, up, that's fine. I was gonna. I was gonna. I. I'm. I don't know if you're going to give uh, Parker. Uh, yeah, a another shout out. I uh, really appreciate the email, dude. Like that. That was. I really like that. That was really cool. And so we're. Parker's I'm glad. The... I'm glad that you're making that. We're making your car rides fun because. That's Heck yeah. yeah. That's, that's like a huge compliment. Parker Schilling is the one who suggested this week's topic, and he's actually suggested quite a few other ones that oh is that what you're talking about too yeah that last one's gonna be fun Mm, really yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean okay yeah okay we'll we'll discuss it all right that one i have mixed feelings about because i don't i don't do that but let's start with blue we'll go purple second and i'll end up third okay so blue what's your number three my number three is actually a toss-up um because one of them um so i don't i don't one of them's an indie game and then the other's uh gears of war 2 uh i don't know if any of you had i green have you played gears of war at all i have played probably about two purple, hours worth i'm of assuming it. purple has not <laughs> i think that's a I safe watched assumption my husband play a little bit of it one time did, he, did okay. you did you watch the first one or or any or a different i one? have no idea okay cool that's fine no, no no that's fine the reason i ask is like gears so gears of war as a as a whole like as a as a series is very obviously very geared towards a particular demographic of game player um you know and and that's fine and actually it's fine at all it's a great it's it's a great series uh it's actually got some really cool lore in it and if we ever do if we ever get a chance to do an extra lore on it i'm actually really excited for it the book series behind it is amazing um but gears of war 2 had like for a game that's really very similar to like doom-esque like gameplay um gears of war 2 had like a huge and it wasn't like i guess it's not a huge twist ending but one of the characters dom uh actually has a very compelling storyline that throughout gears of war 2 you actually connect to dom at a very like very personal level uh because he, he basically the entire time you play uh through the game He's looking for his wife who has gone missing. And, you know, long story short, you end up finding out that she's actually not only been kidnapped, but actually assimilated into the enemy faction. And and Dom is actually the one that has to end up killing her, basically. And so it's like this huge thing where it's the land like he's got, you know, the the standard Lancer. He's got to go up against his wife, basically. And it's like this huge. I mean, like it's it's for a game again for a game that is like not. I don't know how to, it's it's 
it's not super deep like at a lot of at a lot of parts um it actually just like completely out of left field just sledgehammers you in the feelings um so that was that's that one and then completely like so i feel like a little bit of a bipolar person saying these two together but completely on a different scope but also tied for number three um is a game called gone home um it's it's like i want to say it's like a i want to say it's an indie game i think it's an indie game i don't know if you guys have ever um i've never even heard of that one oh my god it's it's so so the entire time like it's it's like a mist-esque game like you it's a first person game first person uh puzzle game and the entire time you're basically exploring your your family house like you, you come home and you basically uh you your family is supposed to be there and they're not and so the entire time and it's like storming outside and it's like the entire time it feels like it's a horror game it's like it's like making you okay. think that there's going to be a thriller it's like yeah. yeah it's like the environment is like it's setting it up to be like this you know jump scare it never goes there instead really? it goes in a completely just like completely different direction and what's beautiful about it is that because you're expecting it to be a a horror game you don't really like it's not until about halfway through the game where you realize you start realizing that oh this isn't gonna be like a hack and slash game this is gonna be like an actual like psychological like interesting story and oh my god the ending if you if you guys haven't played it i (laughs) I'm not going to ruin it because I it's a really quick game to play. I think I beat it in like one or two sittings. Uh, it's a couple hours. And it is seriously one of my favorite. It's up there with Oxenfree as far as okay. like one of my favorite games really. Uh, because of the actual like just a little snippet of the story that you get from it. And the ending is just it just crushes you. Like it. And I know that's a weird thing to be like, no, you need to go play. But it's like you get so emotionally attached to like what's going on with the um, not even with your care. I mean, your, your your character has a lot going on, but it's actually because you're seeing uh, you're, you start uncovering like day to day stuff about the family that is not there and we don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. And so she's like she, and you're playing a uh, the, or the oldest daughter, I believe, if I remember correctly. And she's like, she starts uncovering like different, different secrets about her family and about this house and about this city or this town that they're in. And it's just like, it just progressively get, and it's nothing like it's, it's nothing supernatural. There's no like big horror scare or anything again, but it's just all about drama within the family. And it's just, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. Shay, uh, Shay and chat, the oxen free game. So Oxenfree is kind of similar to Gone Home, except with a supernatural bend. Um, and it's also, it's a different play style. It's a side-scroller instead of uh, first person. But yeah, if you haven't played Oxenfree or Gone Home, I think they're both free with Game Pass, if I remember correctly, on Xbox. Interesting. But they're both, they're both like, super, oh my gosh, they are so strong as far as stories, which is pretty pretty standard for a lot of the indie titles out there right now. Um, I feel but yeah. like we've gotten to the point, like last week we did the whole story about the Black Armory papers and this week's top three is going to be real deep. I'm just like, I'm going to be a wreck going into the episode. Just going to say that. <laughs> it's going to, we're going to make uh, you biased about it. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go there because I don't want purple to come after me. Speaking of which. <laughs> um, okay. So as previously mentioned, don't really have video games. Um, so my top three. Um, so my first one is uh, the play Fences by August Wilson. Okay. I um, know August Wilson, but I don't know that sp- particular okay. play. So um, it's about uh, like most August Wilson plays. <laughs> it's about racism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it's, it's about a guy named Troy, um, who played baseball, um, but he got imprisoned, um, for, for murder accidentally, 
Um, and then he gets out um, and he is with his family. <clears throat> and then he, there's like a whole bunch of tension of like why he can't get a job because of racism. And then um, he finds out that his mistress is pregnant and the mistress dies Jeez. Oh, in childbirth. And his wife agrees to take the baby and raise it as her own but she leaves him so now this baby has a different mom but not a dad anymore and then his son like goes gets all resentful of all the bad decisions that his dad made and joins the marines um and oh like almost misses his dad's funeral like refuses to go even though he got leave and it's a whole like it's it's a mess (laughs) yeah Gosh, the whole mother leaving with child that is technically not her own, but raises it as her own part alone is like, ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. So right. anyway, if you haven't read it, it's it's really good. Are there but like yeah. moments of brightness at all? Or is it just very typical, his style of writing, where it's just kind of I, I mean, after gut, gut punch? Yeah, no, it's it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty dramatic. I mean, it takes place in 1957 in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, so. Dang. You know, I kind of have a, a semi-similar one for my number three, because mine is Bioshock Infinite, which mm-hmm. I don't know how Too many hard. people have finished the story in Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite, but um, the game's, the, the story is A, just complicated, but it ends up the ends with you figuring out that Elizabeth, who is this mm-hmm. character you've been kind of rescuing the whole time, is your daughter. And that you had originally traded her away to Cornstock, who is like the main bad guy in an alternative timeline when she was a baby. And so, like, you gotta think Bioshock in general is just kind of weird, timey wimey stuff going on. Yeah, but Infinite but actually explains why. Which it is does. why it's like it creates this massive headache trying yeah. to figure out like what's going on but that's what i i liked see i, I never i never finished playing infinite because i couldn't i, oh, I wasn't a, i wasn't a fan so good oh yeah no 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 that's what i was gonna say i couldn't get over the mechanics which is for me a really yeah. strong point but the story was so good that that's one of the few games that i actually went out and um hunted down a like complete uh video of someone else playing right. it and actually watched mm-hmm. like not just cutscenes but actual gameplay too because there's yeah, so much there's a cool lot stuff of going stuff on. that you get in there. But yeah, but, uh, no, like the the ending explained like everything. Right, like, because she has the power to manipulate time and space. And then you find out that the cornstalk from the timeline is actually you from a different timeline mm-hmm. type thing. It's, and then uh, you end up having, in the end, Elizabeth drowns you in a lake to stop the continuous loop of her life and your life destroying the entire fabric of your combined existence <laughs> so it's a suicide patricide like ah yikes that whole game is just messed up from the beginning to end though because you talk about um themes on racism and themes on um oh yeah kind of the patriarchy and stuff like that it's just oh all over that game but that takes us to our number two, Blue. My number two is, so just a fair warning, you're going to probably not be surprised at my number two and number one, um, or at least some people aren't going to be surprised. Uh, number two is Halo Reach, uh, mostly because Halo Reach, like putting aside the the drama about the lore aspect of it, uh, they mm-hmm. there was a very well done ending to that game uh in which so like you like if you know the story of reach you know you knew how the game was going to end like you you knew going into the game it was not going to end well um but what they did the mechanics of of portraying that in the game was just amazing because basically um it's it's you so like you're you're part of noble team and throughout the game basically especially near the latter half the team keeps getting whittled down 
uh, and, pe- and members keep dying, keep dying, and keep dying, and keep dying, until finally it's just Noble Six left, and that's, you know, your player. Um, and then the final level is, it's like, yeah, chat's talking about it right now, the, the Lone Wolf, is like, basically the objective is survive. Um, the problem is, is that it's impossible. Like, you, you, you are... You are literally put on the surface of reach as it's getting destroyed and the entire objective is to basically allow the ship with with the package which is basically cortana to escape mm-hmm. like it, it's basically you you're the the spartan's last stand and you are the last spartan and it's like i mean it's just it's gut-wrenching because it's intense as all hell uh from a gameplay mechanics because it's just never ending very difficult enemies. And then also you're having to watch like, and then when you finally do fall the camera angle and uh, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it just like hammers home exactly what was going on in that, in that universe. And it's just really well done. So wait a second. Is there literally no ending to that level? Like I know. It no, it's an endless. It's it's an endless. Uh, it's uh, basically an endless um, firefight, uh, and it just keeps Jeez. it just keeps getting more and more difficult because basically as time goes on, um, more and more of the NPC allies you know start falling and your difficult enemies start showing up and then like I mean, I think I, I can't remember. I, I know. Um, yeah, I think like the longest that I've heard of people is like thirty minutes. Yeah, like that's long, what and that's when yeah, that's what chat's talking about right now. Um and it's like because after that it just I mean, it just gets bonkers. Like it's just absolutely insane what's going on. And you start running out of you start running out of ammo, you start and you start getting like, you know, really big bosses. It's just yeah. Oh cuts off okay, it cuts off thirty minutes. Okay. So yeah, there it must be a time ending then. Okay just a timeout like a never-ending gauntlet that you can never it, finish yeah well i mean and that's and that was the intent was like it's like you can struggle all you want but in order to beat the you know quote beat the level you have to lose and it's just it's like and i and like i think there's i think there's technically an achievement i, I i'd have to defer to pens on that one um if you can stay like the longer you can stay but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just as far as like a game, like as far as a game synergizing mechanics with like what's actually going on in the story, it's really one of the the ones that I hold really high because it really does bring that that weight of the situation, you know, home. Dang. So, okay, yeah, that's number two for me. All right, so the gauntlet run at the end of Halo Reach. All right, purple. What's your number two? <laughs> um, it's the book changes from the Dresden Files. Oh yay! <laughs> I I freaking love you. I love <laughs> the Files so much. And nobody really like it's such a good series in general. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Explain. I almost like don't want to explain it because if you haven't read them then but it is like the 12th book yeah so needless like okay so dresden's (laughs) character has a bunch of that happens to him throughout the series like he's kind of got so much going on and i'm trying to remember exactly what happens in changes which was the very last is that the very changes is is the one that starts with um, Susan showing up? Yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 No. With the the court, right? With the red court. Yeah, the mm-hmm. red court. Because that was was that after Susan had her run in, or was that before? It was after. It was that, after. That, Susan Susan met the red court for the first time in like book one or two. Right. right. Uh, early. Yeah. Yeah, Susan, it was really early. Because it was during the mission when Dresden went into the Red Court and Susan was still a reporter. Right. Yeah. So but that was really early. That was like book one or two or something gosh. like that. Yeah. And then changes his book 12 and she like comes back and she's oh, yeah, like. I haven't read that far then. I think I'm on. Oh my okay. gosh. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about it. Uh, I'm on, <laughs> I think I'm on seven or eight. Like they basically, he basically just pissed off the elf 
the uh, the winter fake court again. Yeah, the winter court again, but this time like really badly. So okay, Susan, <laughs> I mean, that just kind of <laughs> yeah, that happens Don't. continuously. Yeah, uh, Su- Susan Whoa. is Dresden's love interest for those people who haven't read or know anything about it. And needless to say, at the end of Changes, the book that she's talking about, something immensely devastating has to happen. Lots of lots of devastating things happen, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I'm just thinking about the final scene, though. It's like, oh, <clears throat> God. Oh, man, yeah. But that is a very good book series. It's, I consider it a candy book, though. I I don't know, like, candy books for me are books that I can just sit down and read, and I don't have to overanalyze it. So they're easy reads. Dresden Files definitely lines up with that, but it does, it's not easy in the emotions, for sure, because there are many times. Oh, God, man, the, the, one of the early scenes where you, you get this sense of Dresden's powers when he loses his, loses his (laughs) calm with the demons who killed the kids and he like, yeah, he melts them and all the, yeah. all the other wizards are like, uh, and he's like, what say something. And I was like, Oh, I really like you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That one. I'm actually just going back. I should re listen to all of them. Cause I have them on audiobook Cause I used to listen to them when I was at the gym, but yeah, such a good series. I feel like mine's really yeah. lighthearted compared to yours now following it. Because <laughs> uh, my number two is Horizon Zero Dawn. Because mm. of the ending where she kind of just discovers the whole thing with Gaia being technically quote unquote her mother. And that whole last couple of scenes with her just being heartbroken and dealing with that. I don't know. I have a real soft spot for... um kids who lose their mothers or even if they don't lose their mothers their mothers either like reject them or something like that it's just that's always been a real soft spot for me because i lost my grandmother really young age and i can relate to it in fairly um close terms in other ways but yeah horizon zero dawn's my number two if you haven't seen the ending of it there's the controversy about um hades leaving and going to what's his name i can't think of his name right now the semi sort of guide character all the way through horizon that ends up also being kind of sort of a bad guy at the same time I his name zavala no well i mean it's the same voice actor isn't yeah, it lance uh mm-hmm. i want to say reddick 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 yeah but that one is not as gut-wrenching as dresden and if you you just go read Dresden Files, guys, it's Jim Butcher. <laughs> just can't say that one enough. Which brings us to our number ones. Blue, are you going to pick another Halo one? Yep. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> that's yep. why. I mean, that's again. I mean, it. it yeah. I the thing it's... the thing with the reason why is so actually I did see this mentioned in chat and it it did bring up a good point. Uh, Legacy of Kane series. It's not so much the ending, which is why I didn't really go with it like the whole freaking series is like depressing because basically throughout the series you get drip fed like what's actually happening and it's like it's just like oh my god it just feels like just yeah it's so sad um no my number one is actually halo 4 uh simply because if you so like i i i kind of like my introduction to console gaming was halo uh, really, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of got involved, and I, I don't know, like the the dynamic between Chief and Cortana has always been just there in in like my gaming kind of story. Like that that dynamic has always been something that I held in high regard. It's a really strong story trope. Uh, they do it very well. Bungie did it very well. Three Four Three is doing it very well. Um, it's just, the it's one of those did re- it really well. the books just blew it out of the water. Um, the short stories just, I mean, the short, uh, the story where Cortana is being, uh, tortured by the grave mind is one of just like the most amazing, but Halo four is where Cortana basically sacrifices herself to save chief. And the reason why it just is like, I, I, I mean, I, I remember 
I remember clearly when I first saw this scene because it was such a, it wasn't just like a gut punch. It was like someone stabbed you and then just was twisting the knife constantly because chiefs chief always has had that very expressive voice. Like he's always had, because you never see his face until this scene. Like this is actually the first time that we see in game his face. Um, and so like his voice has always been very expressive. You always kind of, he doesn't really have emotion, but you kind of know how he's quote unquote feeling with his mm-hmm. voice. He just, that's just one of his very good voice actors. And like the conversation where, where he realizes what is going on and you well, just she practically has to trick him into doing she does. it. She tricks him. So, so basically what happens is like you're fighting the didact uh, above uh, earth and you're on the station, you're on the ship and in order to defeat the didact, you have to basically blow up the ship. But in order to do that, um, in order to do that, you have to be inside the center of the ship, basically. Uh, so Chief basically dives into the ship with a bomb and, you know, what, like he normally does. And mm-hmm. in the process, he actually does manage to destroy it. But then she basically kind of uses part of her. So she's Cortana has been fragmenting herself to keep the didact busy. Uh, long story short, or it's it's uh, a, a confusion tactic for him, a smokescreen. Um, and then she basically keeps, she sacrifices like 90% of herself to keep the didact busy and then uses this like fragment of herself to tell, basically teleport Chief off the ship while it's blowing up to save him. And like, so there's, there's a scene where he's, he's actually activating the bomb and then everything goes white. And then you kind of come to and he's inside this bubble and and Cortana actually materializes. It's the first time that Cortana is actually able to physically interact with Chief, which is a huge deal as well. It's it's a long, long you know time coming. She calls that out. It's amazing acting on both their parts. And then like the moment that you that you just like die is when Chief realizes that he can't save her like it's like looking at a person reduced to a five-year-old and then telling that person that their puppy was run over. And that doesn't even, that doesn't even do it. That doesn't even do it. Just Cortana is a part of him, like literally and figuratively. He is, he is not like it's a, it's a, they often had a comment in throughout the series about how he was more machine and she was more human. She was the machine Mm -hmm. that was human. He was the human that was machine. And so now which is why, like, in Halo 5, a lot of uh, the stuff that happened um, building up to Halo 5, a lot of the drama was Chief's conscience is gone. Like, Cortana was the thing that made him, like, do certain things. Like, she she helped guide him, helped teach him stuff. And she just was, I mean, she's not just gone, she's been ripped away. And so there's a lot of, you know, just pain and loss. I mean, it's just, it's a huge huge emotional just blow and he does so well he like he he encapsulates he encapsulates that emotion in like the little voice lines that he has I, it's i'm i just oh my god oh yeah for sure hey i just that one i actually cried at like i didn't play a lot of halo I played ODST and then immediately went into four and was really confused. After, but I read the oh, book, so that helped. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the that's at the end of that one, I did cry just because of the relationship. You can tell they obviously made them yeah really close, and so, how much love that Cortana shows for for him in general is intense. Yeah, and so there's and Penn's just mentioned that too. Like the the very last line of the game. Uh, if you don't unlock the legendary uh, scene, um, is a is a scene with Chief standing on the bridge, or not at the bridge, but standing on a balcony on the Infinity, and Lasky comes up, and Lasky tries to console him, and it it just doesn't like Chief. Chief doesn't talk like, and he's in his armor. He's like literally and figuratively again in that armor that's kind of protecting him. And uh, Lasky makes a comment about, you know, protecting Earth. 
and how he's sorry for Chief's loss and blah, blah, blah. And Chief just turns around and is like, you know, a soldier's job is, or it's like a soldier's job is to protect humanity no matter the cost. And Lasky kind of like looks at him and he's like, but we're also like, he's like, soldiers are humanity. Like it's not, they're not two separate things. That's and, and basically the, one of the last lines is uh chief remembering that Cortana always told him that he was a more machine than human. And it's just, I, I just, it, oh, it just breaks me because it's, it's like listening to a child, but it's, it's in the body of, you know, this, this massive warrior. And it's just, it just, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. Purple. I, is it the one that you mentioned in chat that's going to be your last one? No. No? You didn't go that route? I was really... Okay. I was looking forward to that I, one. I was like, if we want to talk about no. it, we could talk about it. No, go for your no- actual number one. I'll put it on the and also ran for me. Okay. Um. So my number one is going to be... I'm going to go like full on white girl here. Um... <laughs> The fault in our the fault in our stars. Oh, okay. Not <laughs> expecting that one at all. Um, mostly, oh, hey, purple. I, I have a pumpkin th- spice latte and some UGG boots for you if you need those. Thank you, thank oh, you. God. I appreciate oh, you. God, I told you. Okay. But mostly because it's about cancer and cancer is a lot like runs rampant in my family. So it's like really emotionally attached to me. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. So chat wants to know, are you talking about the book or the movie? Uh, well the book, Okay. I didn't actually watch the movie. I didn't think I'd be able to handle that because I cried hard enough when I read the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that, the but one I that heard was, that it's good. Is that who wrote that? Is that one of the the Green brothers? John Green. Okay, John, John Green. John yeah. Green. Okay. I was like, I thought I, I thought I remembered one of them had written that. Yeah. Yes. He writes quite a few of those like gut wrenching kind of. Yes, all of his most of his books are very sad. I don't think I've ever read one that really has a happy ending. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, they're all so they're much. all real sad. Oh gosh. All right. So <laughs> we had somebody sneak into chat here. Mr. Beard Grizzly, what are your three, two, and one for saddest endings to a game? Oh, man, I get to do all three of them in a row. Yes. Uh, So, uh, my number three kind of comes with a small preface. Uh, It's mainly because of the time that you're with the character more than anything else. Uh, And it's also kind of like a build-up to it. You know that it's basically a necessary component for the story to continue. Uh, and you know effectively that this character, uh, actually kind of funny enough, the number two I have kind of fits this bill too. Uh, but long story short, you, you're with this character for three games. Uh, you basically are literally inside of their head or their DNA, if you will. Uh, and you're really just learning more and more about them. Uh, and it would be uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations, uh, Ezio uh, Altore uh-huh. da Firenze. Uh, the ending to that character speaks volumes to the way that he uh, developed the entire time, uh, how he basically matured and changed from moment one to moment end. Uh, and also, of course, when all is said and done, you kind of sit back and, as it says with Revelations, you still reflect back on everything that kind of happened with you and that character. Uh, but a very important character, I think, to me within gaming in general. I am a very big... Uh, I haven't really been uh, too interested, I guess, in a lot of the uh, Assassin's Creed games of late, but two Brotherhood and Revelations will definitely mm-hmm. always be, I think, in my memory as some of the mm-hmm. best ones. Ezio yeah. tri- Trilogy is just oh, top of the well, line. It's so good. I mean, the, the writing, I feel, was kind of out of the park. The uh, the overall uh, like build-up and everything, the oh. character oh, the, development. The growth of Ezio uh, alone. Like, yeah. oh my god. Like, yeah. Oh. It was amazing. I gotta say, him 
it's seeing a, an assassin basically go from, well, I'm going to use this to kill people and just use it as a mask, to effectively going to uh, a, a more respected position within that ranking then as well. Mm-hmm. That really does carry a lot of weight. That that just shows that how that character has kind of grown up and changed and so on. Uh, you do actually get to experience his death then as well. They have a uh, short movie that they created for After the Fact. Um, and it was pretty well fitting to how you would expect it all to kind of go down. Uh, and it was even respectful from the Templar side of everything. Uh, it really just came down to like, you know, no hard feelings. You've done a lot of stuff to, you know, further both causes in a, in a little bit of a way, but you know, it's just time to kind of end it and let you rest. And that just kind of like hit me home. That was, uh, that was a really, really like, it, it, it just carried on, I think for a little love for, for a little bit too long in my mind afterward. Cause I, how much I cared for that character. Uh, Anyway, my number two uh, will actually be from the other side of the pond. Uh, actually, both of them will end up being so. Uh, I I feel like I'm the only one here that played a lot of Eastern titles. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, you, you're right on, at least for me. I didn't even get exposed to them. Yeah. Uh, some will be very... Uh, some will be somewhat familiar with this character by the end of things because he's basically the catalyst for the entirety of this arc. Uh, this character was so prevalent and important to the overall story of this, what turned into a franchise, uh, that effectively it turned into uh, something that needed to be... I don't know. They they needed to expand on it more because so many people had questions. Uh Final Fantasy VII will remain one of my absolute favorite games of all time, but the one that, unfortunately, not many got to play was uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Mm. Uh, in Crisis Core, you play as the uh, soldier first class, uh, Zach Fair. Uh, he doesn't start as first class, but he turns into a first class soldier. Uh, you later learn why Cloud basically is broken the way that he is. Uh, you find out why Cloud is effectively kind of lost in his own brain and lost kind of doing his own thing. And it all comes down to the fact that... I'll, I'll just kind of spit off the words that always go back in my head. You are my living legacy. Uh, by the end of it, the there are three members of Soldier's first rank class, uh, both with Angeal, Genesis, and Sephiroth. And at the end of it, all three of them are gone, and then you even have uh, Zach Fair, who also dies by the end of Crisis Core. Uh, and his story was one that ended up wanting to be kind of expanded and kind of shown, uh, showcased. Cloud was actually never first class Soldier. Uh, he was basically carrying on all of the uh, all the memories and so on about uh, basically what Zach was about and how his first class membership kind of carried on. Uh, but yeah, Zach Fair, uh, as well as also the uh, the 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 majority of how all of that uh, kind of handled Final Fantasy VII in general was just pretty pretty bad. And uh, my last, or my my number one, I guess, uh, actually goes to a completely different direction uh, entirely from a couple of very dark games to all of a sudden a very cartoony one. Uh, And it'd be funny because many people would probably figure I'd say something like Nier or Final Fantasy VIII, VII, or Final Fantasy X, or something similar. And then I've got Blue over here, like Metal Gear Solid 2, and no. Feel the sorrow! Well, that was also MGS3. Oh, that was 3? Oh. Um, yeah. All I know, all I know is, is, yeah, is, all I know is that it was a really traumatic ending. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say, considering the catalyst and how that all kind of went. I don't know, because for, for me, the the catalyst basically is that they have to have a a fairly, like, their story has to almost end at the point that they're talking about overall. 
Uh, and that's where I think it ends up uh, really hitting home with this next one a little bit. Uh, I was I was going to say, uh, goodness, now what was it? I was going to say Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Wind Waker is probably one of the more, uh, it, it's the cutesy one. It's the one where you're on the sea the entire time. But Wind Waker's overall antithesis and idea is effectively you're completely submerging Hyrule back underwater. You fail as the hero of legend, you fail to carry on that entire title, and you effectively are just submerging everything in. But then I remembered the more that I sat back and thought about it, Majora's Mask has to take a place in there somewhere as well. Uh, Majora's and, uh, and Twilight Princess. Yeah, but Majora's more than anything because yeah, Majora's true. has the possible fan theory that comes oh, uh, surrounds yeah. it as well. Yeah, that's because I was not expecting you to go Zelda at all with this one. Well, to be uh, fair Zelda... though, he's he's got a good point because Zelda has right. a really depressing it's... story. Oh yeah, it really yeah. does. I just wasn't expecting it. Not that it well, is a bad thing. It's just I was expecting near Automata to be up there, or just near in general. Funny enough, I really didn't cry too much or or feel as much, I think, over the course of like near or near Automata. It could have been that their stories were perhaps a little bit too outlandish. Okay. Uh, like Zelda is I think th- it's this also isn't the to say that like right? near isn't Yeah. I mean Zelda is uh is one of those tales that has been with me, of course, since I was very young. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was born the same year the first one came out, so for me, it's always just been one of those games that has uh, always stuck with me. Uh, but for Majora's Mask, if you guys aren't familiar with it, since we kind of drew this out, the idea that either Link is is either dead or at least sent to a different t- uh, realm or whatnot, uh, he does effectively pop back out of uh, the Termina Fields, but the entirety of the game is basically the different stages of grief. Uh, the fact that you're constantly turning back time and you're one of the only ones that really isn't affected by it or you're experiencing it, but you're helping to push people through it is one of the most uh, touching and impactful analogies that I think I've ever seen within gaming in general. Mm. But the fact that by the end of Majora's Mask, you effectively forgive and forget what had happened with the uh with the skull kid and whatnot and just moved on and helped him to kind of figure things out was amazing uh but it's that lead up it's that final moment it's that final ending point if you will to what might have happened to that link to that version of him where he returns to hyrule and is confused by anything that may have happened where Ganon's forces and Hyrule's forces may have started to collide and have battles and so on, uh, and where now there's another meaning for all of it to basically, you know, be carried on. Uh, and all of these uh, battles basically ensue to possibly seeing Link uh, becoming a Knight of Hyrule. Uh, and because of this Knight of Hyrule, he basically doesn't see that that version of Link. He experienced what the hero of time, adult Link in Ocarina of Time, had. Ex- I know I'm getting on timeline theory here, but he experienced what the adult Link of that time period knew what was happening. But he was sent back into the past in order to, underst- uh, to, to still have a child's life and to still try to grow up, and he just never could. He could never fit back into society with that knowledge. Ever. Well, that and, and the entire reason you're time hopping is because to kind of carry the analogy is because of the destruction of the world. Right. Like, and so like it effectively f- grief is the destruction of like, so basically you, you're trying to push yourself through this process of grief because otherwise it's going to destroy everything. Jeez. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a, it's it, a uh, oh my God, it's an amazing, amazing <sighs> analysis, but it, it will punch you in the, it'll punch right in the feels. Anybody that thinks that like Legend of Zelda is just basically there as like a child's overall tale or something like that, 
-hmm. once you really dig into the heart of it, you start to realize just how involved it is. Uh, I've been, I had said something on Twitter that I have like this entire like overlay in my mind right now of like an overarching theory of what's going on with uh, the, the history of Zelda and like where it all even started before Skyward Sword. Uh, and it's something that I don't think I've heard anybody really even talk about. Uh, and it's, it's, it's all thanks to kind of like some of the stuff that we sort of know of thanks to Majora's Mask or thanks to Skyward Sword. Uh, thanks to especially with uh, Breath of the Wild as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Breath, uh, and again, it could be that I've just I'm I'm involved right now with Breath of the Wild. I absolutely love that game, uh, but Zelda right now is really just heavy in my head, and I'm heavy in my head and in my heart, just in terms of like what has developed in that story over the past thirty thirty three years at this point. Now that it's been released. Uh, yeah. but to, to finish my entirety here, the possibility that in Twilight Princess, the other Link basically carries on or gives that, uh, new generation of Link the skills that he had learned, uh, is basically his way of being able to live out his life as the hero, uh, uh that he knew that he was, but wasn't all at the same time. Uh, the fact that there are then from Ocarina of Time's uh, points in time, there are then three uh, timelines that develop. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, I, I I carried that on a lot longer than I kind of expected no. I would. But it's either, you know, Breath of... Uh, I, I Majora's Mask? Yeah, uh, I, I have a feeling I've been told that Breath of the Wild gets uh, very heavy very fast. And towards I'm, the end, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of expecting. I have uh, not played that one, but I've watched enough gameplay to be like, okay. Yeah. Alright. And with it being like one of the first like voice type games, that's the other thing that's making me kind of wonder. Mm. Uh but definitely between like the fall of Hyrule in Wind Waker, uh and just the fact that, like, you're finally saying, like, adieu to that entire idea within that timeline uh, and carrying it on and moving forward uh, just to go into another realm and have the same thing happen again. Uh, or also for uh, Majora's Mask and just the timing that is effectively, like, uh, slipped into that. Just Ugh. Majora's Mask in general is just really heavy. If you guys have never like listened to theories or anything about it, it's it's rough. You'll be sitting there going, "This is for kids." Yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll leave it there before I do keep keep talking. You're, you're good. You're good. Um, mine's not going to end up much better, and it's definitely not for kids. And it's uh, one of the games we've covered on the Extra Lore series, and it's the uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. The ending of that one, Hellblade, we've talked about it so many times, and it got such a great amount of praise initially when it came out, and then everybody kind of stopped talking about it. But um, it's such a psychological gut punch once you figure out exactly what happens at the end. And it's hopeful, but depressing and emotional and I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's both gut-wrenching at the end, but also hopeful. So I, I choose that one as my number one as kind of a, a crossover between the really sad aspect, because it is sad, and the hopeful aspect afterwards, because she's processing, able to process things completely, or at least on her way of processing. If you haven't played that game, or if you haven't read that game, it is... Or not read that game, but read anything about this game. There we go. Uh, it is very much so steeped in kind of a Norse mythology and the psychology that goes into somebody with blue. You're going to have to help me with this one. So you have the degree in it. Um, psychosis. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. It's blue. a, it's a um, break from reality. Yeah. So it's not, and I mean, it's a form of psychosis, but yeah, the, the entire underlying um, <clears throat> story and Hellblade, like as you as you kind of learn through the game of the actual cause of what's happening uh, is really, and then also I really strongly, if you haven't 
I really strongly strongly urge people to also go watch the behind the scenes explanations from Ninja Theory on mm. why they made it the way they did and what the point like there there is legit points to what they're doing in every aspect of that game. Uh and it's really well done. Uh and it's also I I think it's 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 one of the few games again that I've actually watched the entire game played. Uh I haven't played it yet. It just got it just landed on Xbox Game Pass by the way. Um, yeah, because I just downloaded it, so I have I have it. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. It the gameplay itself is intense. Very, it's it's intense, but it's actually not. It's not incredibly difficult gameplay. Once you figure out the mechanics, it's fairly straightforward, and it reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed. Once it got to the point where the mechanics actually targeted correctly. <laughs> once it worked oh man assassin's creed one i struggled through but assassin's creed two once we got to the Ezio trilogy it was fine but um hellblade has that kind of same feel to it that being said let's end up this depressing slightly sad episode of top three next week i want to do something a little bit more um uplifting so we're going to take Mark, and I'm going to. I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher your last name. It is Mark Gaidman. Gaidman. We're going to take his suggestion of doing our top three motivators slash inspirations. So going on the opposite end of the spectrum can be any motivator or inspiration for top three next week. Sound good? Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Is it? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, no like not not a not a bad like not bad. It's just, I mean, like I just there's a lot. I mean, yeah, I'll just boiling it down. And it can to be just three. It could it could be a famous person. It could be not a famous person. Mm-hmm. Mine's not going to be a famous anything, person. Right? It's, open? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's open. Yeah. So okay. I mean, right. narrowing it down may be a little difficult. I hope it's a little less difficult than narrowing down your top three endings though that being said sorry for the slightly emotionally heart-wrenching episode guys but next week it's going to be a little bit lighter a little bit uh, brighter and remember everybody loves a list